Hey, it's G-Paw. I've moved out to my summer quarters, so you'll probably hear some birds and dogs and trucks and things in the background, but it's a great time. I love it when I first get to get outside for the summer. Anyway, today I want to talk to you about spikes. I use spikes, periods of, of code changing activity that end with no pushes all the time at small scale and large as a way to develop my path. It, it's a vital technique and it's often underplayed. So let's spend some time with it. First, what's a spike? A spike is a stretch of time I spend mucking around in the code. And that stretch of time just has one rule. Do anything you want because you can't keep it. We originally used the term to describe a certain kind of story. We'd be facing some task without the slightest clue of how to perform it. So we put a story in place whose goal was figure out how to do X. But we explicitly separated the figure out how from the actual doing. The rationale here was based around our sense that practicing extreme programming meant a certain rigor in our behavior. But maintaining that XP level of self-control can be difficult at times, and the most particularly difficult times to do that were times when we felt we had literally no clue how to proceed. We were basically authorizing off-road activity and allocating space for it in our now discarded story point bucket planning approach. But if you're going off-road, our reasoning was, that's it. You don't get to bring off-road artifacts back into the code base. Why were we so strong on no off-road artifacts? Well, because every one of us had been through the pain of having what we were told was a proof of concept or a prototype shipped to the field and causing massive heartache. So in those days, a spike meant something at a large enough scale that it would be a blip on our productivity radar. Uh, figure out how or whether we could use multiple CPUs to distribute the load. Figure out whether NoSQL would be more performant. That kind of thing. There's an important idea embedded there, and, and letting it have its full flex actually brings me to my modern practice of having many small spikes on a more or less daily basis. That idea is in this question. If we don't bring back code, what are we bringing back? Hmm? We're bringing back mind stuff. When we return from off-road, what we now have, what we didn't have before, is a loose but real confidence in our path. Now, at this point, I should say, I've been suggesting that all spikes yield positive confirmations. That is, of course, nonsense. Sometimes when I do a spike, what I bring back is, is a negative confirmation. I now know this path won't work. Remember the Edison story, though, where he says they didn't fail 10,000 times in solving the filament problem. They succeeded 10,000 times in eliminating candidate solutions. Positive or negative, the point still holds. We return with a better sense of path, a clue. So let's turn to my modern sense of spike. It's really much smaller scale, not usually a story at all. It's the idea of go off-road, get a clue, throw away the typing. I recently wrote a somewhat comical thread about spending 12 hours solving a problem that should have been trivial to solve. It was by way of, of helping juniors understand that seniors are both more and less than we're cracked up to be. Anyway, what I actually did in those 12 hours was run, and I'm not exaggerating here, about 30 spikes. 
Some were a few minutes long, some were nearly an hour. Each time, I'd be making a code change, seeing if it approached the problem. If it felt like it was close, I'd stick with it for a little while, tweaking it and running it and testing it. And then every single time of those 30 times, I threw the change away. Literally, git reset dash dash hard. Now, 30 is a lot. I don't usually confront problems that were both this trivial and this hard to find a path for. I was pretty aggravated by the end. A thing that may surprise you about that end. On my 30th try, I got it. And you know what I did? Git reset dash dash hard. That may trouble some of you that I threw away the solution. If we stop the story right there, it sounds stupid and wasteful. But the 30th spike was the last spike, not the last action. The 31st step was to return to my on-road style and use it to create my on-road solution. And the value of declaring an activity a spike is in the freedom it gives you. While spiking, I'll do anything. Add a variable called X. Copy-paste the same three lines five times. Not write a test for something eminently testable. Really, I mean, I'll do anything. But I don't put just anything in my code base. The internal quality of my code directly correlates to my productivity. The most important and readily controllable term of my equation for what will I finish today is nearly always what will I start with. That's called the correlation premise, and if you look at my work on five underplayed premises of TDD, you'll see it explained in more depth. Anyway, a spike, to me, is a technique I use for pathing. It's the figuring out of how to do, not the doing itself. When I spike, I am basically thinking with code. And I don't keep the code, I keep the thinking. So, a couple of further points, then I'll let you go. One, I, I sometimes spike in a whole other app than the one I'm working on. This weekend's learning about splines, for instance, was all done in a build I keep laying around just for this purpose. This kind of thing can be useful to me when the eventual destination app has a bunch of parts that aren't really relevant to my current problem. By working the problem outside that app, I get to skip dealing with all those parts. Two. I often roll an entire spike in a single test in my microtesting rig, JUnit in my most common case. What I'm doing there is I'm using the test rig as an easy way to invoke code, not as a, as a TDD thing. I've been known to write five or six classes in line in the test file, plopping it all together so I can see it and change it rapidly, which, given its immature state, is very helpful. Three, I internally declare a spike before I start it. That is, it's a conscious decision I make going in. I find that active choosing somehow calms my internal asshole. It's just a spike, not worth my time to tell him how stupid and ugly he is until he does the real thing. But I have to say, that's not a pure rule. I, I watch my clock a lot when I'm working on-road. Sometimes it runs long. In Kotlin, long would be 45 minutes between pushes. Occasionally, I'll say, okay, bam, this just became a spike, though I thought it was on-road when I started it. Four, I spike refactorings too, maybe even more often than I do in feature work. To do anything, even at moderate scale, let alone large scale, I rely heavily on a green-to-green -green approach. We 
We talked about that with steps and values the other day. The point of spiking or refactoring is to set the green to green path in my head. During the spike, I change anything in any order I think of. What I bring back from the spike is my sense of which of those changes clump into green to green steps and what order it will be easiest for me to do them in. So there you go. That's me and spikes. All of this is really implicit, by the way, in the simple and charming apothem, typing is not the bottleneck. When I spike, which I do a lot, I go off-road, holding only one rule. You can't keep any artifact you make. It's a kind of thinking with code, and I use it mostly to help me develop a loose but real sense of path, the steps that I want when I return to the road. I'm Jeepaw. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, the Change Harvesting Camarada, an informal gathering of change harvesters, is open. Come to gpawhill.org slash camarada and check it out. Join today. The first 50 yearly members get a personal consultation with me, Jeepaw. Thanks.